Good morning. Right. I have to say, Sophie's a bit worried about what I'm going to say to you all this morning, how many bad stories I'm going to give you, but I've promised her not too many. So, if I was to ask you this morning, what's on your list of things to do this week? Would there be cook, read stories, wash your clothes, tidy up, change nappies, buy food, carry stuff, mum, can I have some snacks? Full-time entertainer, social engagement maker, organiser, part-time cleaner, comforter, encourager, helper, taxi driver, nurse, doctor, and I can go on and on and on. Yes, if you're in that list, if you've got all those things on your list, you're probably in that group that I am, and you're a parent. If you're not a parent and you're sitting in this room, statistics tell us that most of you at some point will choose to become parents. After this morning, you might not make that choice, but <laughs> there you go. Uh, if you think never, I'm never ever going to do that, then maybe you just want to understand some of the battles that we're having as parents. Uh, it's very good to have supportive friends next to us who come alongside us and tell us, as one of mine does, you really don't need to win every game you play with your children, Karen. <laughs> oh, but I do. <laughs> or, it might just help you shed some light on some of the things that your parents did when you were growing up. And I'm carefully looking around, looking, thinking, the youth have all gone out. It's okay. <laughs> some statistics to start us off. The average cost of raising a child in the UK to the age of 21 years old is £230,000. You could buy a small house for that, maybe not in Edinburgh. On average, a baby will need 3000 796 nappies in their lives. I've had two. Julie's had four kids. Think how many nappies she's changed. Uh, the average American family owns 39 pairs of shoes and they have 52 items in their fridge. Now don't sit there this morning thinking, counting up all the items in your fridge, please. 78% uh, of families have TVs in their bedrooms. The world's children spend five billion hours playing with Lego bricks every year. That's a lot of Lego bricks. So before I start, a couple of photos to show you. Maybe this is your parenting style. Maybe. Can I have a photo? Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> And the next one. I had to get it in for the dads. Because <laughs> Proverbs always says the positive bit about the dads and the negative bit about the mums. So I'm just switching it for you to start with. Before I start, none of us get it right all the time. So if you're sitting here and thinking, oh, I've had a really bad morning coming into church. The kids have screamed. They've done everything else. We none of us get it right all the time. And every time I give advice to somebody, every time anybody's asked me for any small bit of advice, I can guarantee that I walk in at my house afterwards and it's all gone horribly wrong. So I'm slightly dreading the rest of this week. But there you go. If you ask my kids carefully, they will tell you I don't get it right all the time. They're very loyal, however, and uh, <clears throat> they might not give you all the details. But raising children is a hard job. And when you start out with a newborn, it's a real shock. It takes a lot of getting used to. First of all, let me, let's remember, it's a long-term job. I'm halfway through our time with Sophie, which is slightly scary. She's about to go to secondary school tomorrow. Um, 
Nothing happens quickly. Pace yourself. They grow up and change slowly. Uh, but everything is a phase. So if you're in a phase at the moment that you're thinking, I really can't cope with this any longer, it's going to pass and they will change. They will one day be able to get their shoes on without you telling them how to do it. They will one day be able to pack their own bags to go to school. They will one day be able to make their own social engagements. Sophie's almost there. But what does Proverbs say about raising children? A lot. I'm going to read you some verses. Um, some of them are going to come up on the screen behind me. Not all of them. So in Proverbs 3 it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. In chapter 6 it says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. In chapter 10, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. In chapter 13, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Chapter 17, to have a fool for a son brings grief. There is no joy for the father of a fool. Chapter 19, discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party in his death. 22, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not stray from it. <clears throat> Chapter 23, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. 23 again, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. 29, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. And the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Now Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs to be a practical book teaching us how to live. He spends the first nine chapters telling us how to gain with wisdom, in particular choosing wisdom over folly. And he spent, a couple of weeks ago, spent a, a lot of time talking about this, so I'm not going to go over it, but go back and listen to it, it was very good. Uh, we're not talking about gaining factual wisdom here, we're talking about gaining godly wisdom in everyday situations, having a dependence on God. Having grasped this in the first nine chapters, he then launches into 375, somebody counted, of mainly his, not all of them, but mainly his best proverbs. They're not neatly arranged in categories, so you can't go into them like a library and say, I want the bits on parenting, I want the bits on growing up. <clears throat> he jumps around at speed, just like life does really, and it's a bit messy. Uh, Solomon wrote the book as if he was teaching his son, so a lot of it reverts to his son. In chapter 1, listen my son to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Or in chapter 4, listen my son to your father's instruction, pay attention and gain understanding. But that also applies to us. He tells in chapter, chapter 12, a wise man listens to advice. We should be listening and acting on Solomon's advice for us. And it comes in loads of different circumstances. He reminds us to listen to our own parents. Now, some of you, I know, will look at your own parents and think, I'm not listening to them, particularly if you're a teenager. Um, but they raised you, and whether you think they did a good job or a bad job, we can all learn from them, particularly in terms of our own parenting. I have to say, as you start parenting, you suddenly realize that you start to do the same things that your parents did. 
And that could be a challenge if you and your partner were raised very differently. You don't have to choose to do it like that, but you do need to make a choice about how you're going to raise your kids. God's given us a wealth of advice in his word we need to look at. Maybe you want to adopt some older or wiser people, and I say older loosely. Uh, Bear in mind, wisdom isn't gained by the number of years that we've been on the planet, but actually by a dependence on God. The main emphasis on Solomon's teaching for us as parents is to discipline or to train our children. We want them to be independent adults, dependent on God. So that's what I'm going to look at this morning, disciplining our children. I'm going to look at three in three ways. Uh, what does it mean? How does God discipline us? So that's the key, but if you're not a parent, that will apply to you. Why does he discipline us? And then how should we discipline our children? So to start with, what does it mean? The dictionary says, discipline means to train someone to obey rules or a code of behavior, using punishment to correct obedience, disobedience even. Uh, Discipline is an activity or an exercise or a regime that develops or improves a skill or training or a set of rules and regulations. When you discipline yourself, you have self-control. In olden day English, the version discipline refers to a branch of knowledge or study. So in fact, when Solomon talks about discipline, he's talking about training your child in many, many different ways. Um, It's not just about telling them off. I don't think we're talking about wisdom in terms of gaining facts. Josh has just been given a book about the periodic table, and he keeps coming and telling me all these facts, which is quite ironic given I'm a chemistry teacher. Um, but it's, wisdom is about dealing with practical things in a godly way. We're talking about training our children in terms of our, their character. It takes time and it takes planning. Do you know if you were to set out to do a marathon, not that I've ever done a marathon, um, you wouldn't set out to do a, a marathon without a lot of planning. You would go on the internet and you'd be searching the best training plans. You'd be looking at how much sleep you have to have. You'd be looking at how much you have to eat. And then you'd make specific time to go and do all those things. You'd be very intentional about it. How many of us are intentional with our parenting? It's very easy to fall into the things that we do. Do we choose to make time to do the things our children need us to do? We chose to have them and we need to try and make that time to fit in the things they need. Discipline is hard work. It's hard work for us and it's hard work for them. Building good habits for yourself is hard work, but training somebody else to have good habits is very hard. You think back, how many times did you have to be told to say thank you? Thank you for your meal, thank you for whatever it is. I so remember, I have to say my mum doesn't, but I remember arriving home from a party, we lived on a big estate, I was allowed to come home on my own. First thing, as I walk through the door, mum says, So, did you say thank you? Not did you have a nice time, but did you say thank you? My face must have dropped. I obviously wasn't good enough to lie at this point. But she clearly realised, no, I hadn't said thank you. So much to my embarrassment, I was dispatched back to the party to say thank you to the mum and come back again slightly shamefaced. I have to say, I didn't forget again. So, how does God discipline us? Um, 
He disciplines us in grace and love, and he has a long-term view about it. He deals with us one thing at a time, lovingly correcting us as we go, and more importantly, putting people around us that will encourage us along the way. He teaches us. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We've got a wealth of wisdom in front of us, in our hands, that we can use. Um, Sometimes we need some help to interpret it, but we need to look at it. God uses our circumstances. If you look back in the Old Testament, remember Jacob. Jacob was the man who cheated his brother out of his birthright. He was nothing short of a liar and a cheat. God needed to work on his character. So the next thing that happens is he was sent to work for his uncle Laban, who was also a bit of a liar and a cheat. He fell in love, Jacob fell in love with Laban's youngest daughter, Rebecca. Laban says, yep, you can marry Rebecca if you work for me for seven years. So dutifully, Jacob works hard for seven years. The wedding day came, he must have been excited. Laban tricks him by substituting Leah, the oldest daughter, for Rebecca at the wedding. Jacob then has to work for another seven years to marry Rebecca. That wasn't enough, obviously, to change Jacob's character. So Rebecca bore him a son, Joseph, who became his favorite son. And you'll all know the story of Joseph and the Technicolor dream quote. Jacob gets told that Joseph is dead. His favorite son is dead. But you know, at the end of Jacob's life, God talks about the fact that he was a humble and matured man who walked with God. He has, through his circumstances of life, changed him. Hebrews says, all things work together for the good of those who love God. And I have to say, God uses our children to change us as well. One of the hardest things I find about being a parent is when they do something and you suddenly look at them and think, oh my goodness, that's exactly what I do. And that's why I'm reacting so badly to it. It's hard. Uh, The third thing God does is he chastens us. Chastening isn't the same as punishment. Punishment makes a person suffer for what they've done wrong. Chastening is about helping someone be a better person by correcting them. So Psalm 13, 14 says, excuse me, sorry, Proverbs even. Proverbs 13, 14 says, he who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him chastens him promptly. Or Proverbs 3, 12 says, the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastens those he accepts as a son. Just to say, the word rod mentioned in Proverbs, there could be a whole, you could spend hours discussing it, couldn't you? In actual fact, it's talking about a sanction. Whether it's a physical rod or not, it doesn't really matter. We're talking about some sort of sanction that will form a deterrent, some form of deterrent that that you can use in your family. Why does God discipline us? You know, discipline is required as part of our Christian lives. It's not very nice, but it's required. Hebrews 6 verse 8 says, if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate and not true sons or daughters. So if you're feeling like you're undergoing discipline, it's okay, you're a son and daughter of God, or daughter, one of the two. It proves that God loves us. You know, Proverbs 3 says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke 
because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. He loves us because he, di he disciplines us, so because he loves us. I have to say, I ask myself the question, can we say that to our children as we dole out some discipline? I'm doing this because I love you. I don't want you to do it again. I want you to grow up as someone special. We discipline, we should be disciplining them because we want them to grow up as confident, successful individuals who love God. Sometimes it's hard to think that when you're in the midst of it. The third thing is, it proves that we belong to our Father in heaven. Hebrews 12 says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what ch children are not disciplined by their father? We all choose to discipline our own children, uh, as God does as well. And you don't tend to discipline somebody else's child. It's enough effort to discipline your own. If you go out to the park and you find a group of kids all misbehaving, you tend to say, oi, you and you, you're mine, come over here and you're not supposed to be doing that and you're going to therefore have to do X, Y, Z. And they turn around to you and said, say, but they're all doing it too. But you're not going to discipline them because they're not your children. In the same way, God disciplines us because we are his children. And though painful, discipline is ultimately valuable. Hebrews 12 goes on to say, Moreover, we all have human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we sub submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good, that we share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace, for those who've been trained by it. Do you know, God doesn't make mistakes. He knows what you can bear. He knows what you can put up with. He knows what you can deal with. And he knows what's best for you. So if you're going through a hard time, whether you're a parent or not, take heart. God knows and is using it to change you. As parents, we all make mistakes in our disciplining. We've all said to a small person, don't do that again, don't do that again, don't do that again, don't do that again, rather than getting up and distracting them from whatever it is or moving the object out of the way or whatever you need to do. We've all let our youngest child off with something and if you're the oldest one in a family here, you all have sat there and as your mother or father doesn't tell your youngest sibling off and said, I would never have got away with that. <laughs> The, on the other hand, we've probably all seen, as eldest children, I'm the oldest of two, we've probably all seen uh, your parent give a privilege to your youngest child that you didn't get when you were that age. I was thinking back when Sophie first went to school in P1, they told us it was a healthy eating school and therefore snacks were to be healthy. So sure enough, packed in her school bag every day was a piece of fruit every day of the week. And she used to come back and say, but mummy, everybody else gets crisps. You're not getting crisps. This is a healthy eating school. And that's the rules. And all through P1 this went on. And through most of P2, I have to confess, this went on. And eventually, she wore me down and I thought, I probably am being a little bit harsh here. Actually, having talked to lots of other parents, the other kids do get crisps every single day. 
That's really not fair. So I said to Sophie, OK, we'll compromise, right? We'll have crisps on Fridays. Friday's the end of the week. You know, you'll get crisps on Fridays. The next year, Josh goes to school. Well, Sophie's getting crisps on Fridays, so surely Josh should get crisps on Fridays. But he's in P1. Should he not have had to go through all of P1 getting fruit on a Friday? You gain, don't you? But what we sow into our children and train them in in the early days will stick to them deep down later in life. Do you know, you may see your kids throw things away for a time, but often you come back to it, it's still there. Why is discipline important? Selfishly thinking, a well-trained child, it says in Proverbs, makes a parent proud. And I have to say, when your child is doing something well, it does make you proud. And I, can I also say that what you see of our kids on Sunday morning is not what they're like all week at home. <laughs> and there are some classic stories I could tell you, but I'm not going to tell you them all because that wouldn't be fair on them. But we need to think about what we want them to be. Who else is going to discipline them if you don't? There are loads and loads of other influences on our kids' lives now. You know, their friends come in. The teachers come in. The church community comes in. That's a good thing. But can you or can we teach them to make informed choices, basing what they're doing on God's word and on the things they've learned from God? We need to put in some effort in that. It says in Proverbs 22, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not stray from it. Do you know, you tend to go back to the things that you learn as a kid. And it might seem hard going at times, but remember, in later life, there will be some benefit to it. So how do we discipline our own children? Um, we need to do our best to follow God's example in disciplining our children, learning from the way that God teaches us. He doesn't need the help of other people, but I have to say, we do. Parenting is a long-term job. It's hard work. It's also great fun. And don't let me put a damper on that. It is fantastic fun. But we do need to bring in others for advice and encouragement and help at times. And a church community is fantastic for that. I'm going to give you some practical headlines. And these are all really practical points that I feel like I've learned some better than others as time's gone on. And they're not in any particular order, but they're things that, <clears throat> things that I've learned. Uh, in Newcastle, when I worked in Newcastle, I was ahead of year. And uh, one of my jobs was to send a kid home because he'd done something really wrong in school, and then to get the parent back in and have a nice chat to the parent and say, yes, they've done X, Y, Z wrong. Uh, yes, they you know, agree they're not going to do that again. Yeah, they can come back into school. Well, I remember one such meeting. I sent the son home. I got the parent in. Son didn't come with him this time. And actually, looking back, I was quite thankful for that. The father, I explained what had happened. The father looked at me very seriously. He says, well, that's not too bad, is it? When I was here, I took my bike up to the third floor and I cycled down the stairwell. At that point, I thought, I'm really not going to get much out of this parent. He's really not going to help me in disciplining his child. There really wasn't any discipline at home. And actually, discipline starts at home. You know, all those influences that, that our kids have elsewhere, they come back to what they've been taught at home. And that's most important. 
This isn't school, however, and I'm not going to tell you your child should spend so many hours watching a screen or not watching a screen. I'm not going to tell you how many activities they should do in the week, what school they should go to, or even particularly what sanctions you should use in your house. That has to work for you as a couple, as a family, and changes as time goes on. So the thing I would say about it is be consistent, make a decision and stick to it. Children really benefit from having secure boundaries. They like to push them, but they also like to know, mum, dad, they're not going to budge from that. Um, I've said no to Sophie particularly a few times, and actually she says, there's no point in asking you, keeping going asking you, because I know you're not going to change your mind. So her pals have then come in and said, but you've said no about this. And I said, yeah, and I'm not going to change my mind. And they keep asking and badgering and badgering. And I keep saying, the answer's still no. The answer's still no. But there you go. The likelihood is you'll parent in a similar style to your parents. You need to plan if you want to do it differently. You are their, the, a child's first role model. As such, they'll copy you in words, in your actions, in the things that, that happen in your house. Children like sponges. They soak up everything around them. And you think in the first few years how much they have to learn. It's not really surprising. They're made so they soak up everything. But that means we need to be careful. <clears throat> we need to do, deal with one thing at a time. Think about what you want them to be at the end before you act. Pray for them. We're not very good at this in our family, but pray for them. Pray for them in the long term. You know, pray for them in the short term. Pray for them in the things that you have struggles with. Pray for them in their character, in their career, in whatever else it is. But actually, pray for them. And then when you come to an incident where they're screaming at you, you know that God's helping you with it. We need to love them. And how we show that love for them varies as they grow in age. It, it varies from child to child. Um, and it's different for each person. Maybe your child really likes having presents. Maybe they're really cuddly. Maybe they just need you to take them out all the time. Maybe, you know, they want you to sit down with them while they tell you a story. It's different. And I have to say, if you're parenting small people still, they just want lots of time. But it does change as time goes on. I've put, uh, we need to parent in grace. Do you know when you're shut in the house with two small children, your anxiety levels can increase quite dramatically at times, particularly on a wet winter's afternoon and you've run out of things for them to do. Step back for a minute and think, would I react the same way if there was another adult in the room with me? That's a good guide as to whether you're acting in grace. <clears throat> keep calm. Do you know when I've had kids screaming at me in our house, I have been known to go into a different room and shut the door. And actually, I'd be also been known to lean against the door so they can't come in, even when they're bashing the door down and threatening to be sick through the hole in the door. <laughs> um, sometimes you just need a bit of space and you need a bit of time to take a deep breath and calm yourself down before you go out and deal with the screaming child. Do you know, each person is different. God deals with us individually. 
We need to think about our children being different as well. For us, one of our children is very quick to respond if you tell him off. I've given away the game now. <laughs> ah! Don't tell them. <laughs> I said to Dan this morning, do you know, you're really lucky. You have three all the same sex, so if you say him, it doesn't matter. They, we still don't know. But anyway, one of ours is very quick. So if you tell him off, that's it. He's very quick to respond. He's quite sensitive in that. The other one is not quite the same. She's a bit more like me. She's very stubborn. And do you know, the threat of putting one of them on the naughty step away from everybody else was enough to stop instantly the poor behaviour. The other one, no. She needed regularly to go on the naughty step to stop, and partly to give me a bit of space, um, but to stop that behaviour and to learn the lesson. It's different for different kids, just as it's different for different people. Another question for you. How do you teach them about God? How do you pray with them? When do we find time to do that? It's hard. It's hard to fit it in. We're not always very good at this as a family. Um, but as time goes on, you realise you need to do it. And we need to find time to do it. Find a good time of day to read with them. Not necessarily last thing at night. Um, ask other families what works for them. It works differently at different times of the of, of child's life. You know, sometimes it... it to pray with, people, pray with them last thing at night is good. You know, one of us wakes up regularly with nightmares and we, I often go in and say, let's pray. And actually, quite happy to go to sleep after that. It's, a, it's good to bring God into just the little things of life. Um, discipline changes with different phases of life, but it needs to be consistent and it needs to be swift. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, when a sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. Do you know, if you wait with a small child and say, we'll deal with that when daddy gets home, they'll have forgotten what you were talking about by the time daddy gets home. You have to deal with it there and then. When your child is 11, 12 and going on to teenage years, then fine, they can wait till daddy gets home, but they can't wait till the next week to find out what the punishment was. They need it to be there and then. So we need to discipline swiftly. The other thing I would say is don't threaten what you're not prepared to carry out. I learned this early on as a teacher, that if I kept saying to a kid, I'm going to give you detention for that, I'm going to give you detention for that, but never actually carried out the detention, the teachers are all smiling here. Then the kids just get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and they know you're not going to do anything about it. We said to one of ours, when they were playing in the park, they'd gone out after, after tea to play in the park, if you don't come in now, there's not going to be a bedtime story. Bedtime stories are very important in our house. We didn't quite realise quite how until this point. They didn't want to come in, so they didn't come in. One came and one didn't. One got a story and one didn't. An hour and a half later, that one was still screaming very loudly in their bed. And we were sitting looking at each other going, we really shouldn't have said that. We really shouldn't have said that. Shall we go and read a story? No, we can't go and read a story. We really can't go and read a story, but I really wish we could go and read a story. I have to say, that was never a punishment that was used again. <laughs> you know, when children are small, it's very easy to get into the phase of saying no to everything. Even when they're old, it's easy to get into the phase of saying no to everything. Try and change your outlook to saying yes. It makes much 
It makes life much more pleasant. Uh, I quite often say, maybe, if I can't commit to something, and my kids have learned that that's better than no. <laughs> uh, choose your battles. You don't need to win every battle to win the war. When somebody said this to me when I, our kids were really little, I didn't understand. Now we've got to the point where um, they can roll their eyes at me and they can flick their hair, even if it's short. <laughs> I start to understand that those little things that just are put in to wind you up, actually it's better sometimes to take a deep breath and say, I'm not going to fight this battle, but I will fight the next one. <laughs> Remember, and I'm nearly at the end here, God is perfect, we're not. And often our children are the ones who reflect our own weaknesses back to us, which is hard. We can only do our best when we ask God for help and grace to deal with day by day. I find it really hard when I've disciplined a child and then I realize I've done it wrong. And I, and I actually have to go back to them and say, look, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that. But I have to say, it teaches them something much more than the discipline I probably gave them to start with, that I'm, I'm prepared to go back and apologise. It's a really hard thing to do, just as it's really hard to go and apologise to your mate when you said something wrong. Um, but it is the right thing to do. I'm really sorry if some of this makes parenting sound like a real drag. I have to say, there is a lot of great things to being parent. There are some rubbish bits as well. Um, but our children are only with us for a short time. God's lent them to us. Make the most of it, even the, bit that you find, the bits that you find a bit dull. Try and enjoy it. You know, it does get better, or I think it gets better, because I'm not a particularly baby person, but um, I think it gets better. And try and enjoy the phases that, that you're in at, at the time. Children are a gift from God. They're not ours to keep. They're ours to help mould them and shape them into fantastic people by the grace of God. God wants to help us in that job. He wants us to ask him for help. We've all made mistakes. But we all have them still for a bit longer to help change those mistakes. Can I have the band back up? It's all right. Looking at the time. I just want you to think for a minute. You know, I've said a lot of different things this morning. Um, if you're a parent and you're sitting there this morning and thinking, gracious, I've made such a mess. Or I came out this morning and I shouted at the kids. God wants to help us in that. He wants us to come to him and ask for his forgiveness. He wants us to confess our mistakes. He wants to give you strength to change. He wants to give you love for your children and grace for the family that he's given you at the moment. If you're not a parent, Maybe you think you're going through a hard time, you're being disciplined by God. Maybe you don't understand why something particular is happening in your life at the moment. It could be that God is disciplining you, in which case maybe it would be a good idea to ask God what he's trying to teach you to do. You might get it over and done with quicker. What does he want you to learn from it? 
Remember though, God is loving in his discipline. He gives us grace for the circumstances we find ourselves in. He wants to give you that grace this morning. I just want you to ask God for help wherever you are at, wherever you're doing. Maybe you just want to think about the things that we've said. Go away with one thing. You'll be doing well. God, I want to thank you that you are a loving God. That you are with us every step of the way. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, you're there to help us. Father, I thank you that although we find some things in life difficult, you're using those things to change us, to bring us on, to make us mature people in you.